Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. Joel Turner, first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Fins, two for three. He's done his part. Fins is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. back to the posting up podcast we are back here on a tuesday night sean scanlon king zay here with me and we are uh coming to you in the midst of history stephen curry has broken the three-point field goal made record all-time passing ray allen tonight against the knicks at msg some people call it the basketball capital of the world seems very appropriate they do it there Zay, is this a good thing for New York, or uh, is it just kind of a Steph Curry thing? Or uh, are you going to kind how's of hold this close to you? With uh, how, is this, how is this a good thing for New York? History has been made, man. A, It'll a always team, be known. The team that passed up on Stephen Curry in the draft had an opportunity to probably get the most prolific, prolific scorer in NBA history. Not only do you pass up on you, him, you, he breaks the record in your home. There, there's nothing good about that, especially when in the midst of a team being on a three-game losing streak and losers of their last six or seven. So there's nothing good about that. There hasn't been anything good about the Knicks all year, so this just continues to add to the misery that is the New York Knicks. Well, um, we're going to talk some Steph Curry here. Obviously, he just became the all-time uh, three-point made leader in NBA history. Guys like Ray, uh, Ray Allen, like we mentioned, who's there tonight, 
Reggie Miller is on the uh, broadcast call, is there tonight. He's also one of the most prolific three-point scorers in in the game's history. Um, I mean, Sean, I'll go to you. Uh, Steph, I mean, if you could argue, I mean, you can't even argue it. It's a fact. Um, Steph's changed the game. I mean, three-pointers are being hucked at a ridiculous rate. He's obviously going at a crazy rate. He'll be the all-time leader by a lot by the time he's done playing. Um, is is Steph Curry's kind of the style of play and you know the way he's changed the game? How how big of an impact has that had on today's game? Um, I mean, it's you can't really even explain the impact that he's had on the game. Obviously, you see big men shooting the three now. Um, you see guys that you know twenty years ago somebody shooting you know maybe five threes a game was a lot now you see most players in the nba shooting you know up to five threes a game so he has revolutionized the game in a way that uh, i don't think it's ever going to go back we see uh big men being diminished nowadays the the impact of a big man in the nba hasn't really you know other than Jokic and Embiid, it's kind of hard to see guys like that so i mean he definitely has revolutionized the game the way that he shoots a three um the rate that he shoots it at so uh, I mean, Steph, he's he's one of the best players of all time. Um, he's obviously the best shooter of all time. And just the way that he came into the league um, and the way that he's made an impact in this league is uh, pretty much insurmountable. You you can't really – he he probably is the most impactful guy in, in the sport, I think. I, I think he's changed the game uh, absolutely not. I don't think it's ever going to go back to the way that it was. So uh, his impact on the game is definitely um, – I. I think he, he probably has the most impact in the in the game in the NBA, um, probably of all time. I would say. Uh, Zay, I'll come to you now, um, and I'm not throwing shade when I say this at all. Just so don't think that I know I slander the Knicks a lot, but you got guys like like Julius Randle who are shooting a lot of threes. He obviously can knock them down. So guys like him back in the day were never putting up those kind of shots. Um, you think what Steph Curry's done has kind of been good for the game, or do you kind of wish? Because you know the Knicks also have a history of of players who have been able to bang down low too. For example, Patrick Ewing. Um, I mean, is this a good for the game? You got big guys. You know, to be a good big guy in today's game, you got to be able to hit the three. Or do you miss kind of guys banging down low post, uh, getting buckets in the paint, and kind of locking up on defense? Um, that's a tough question to answer. So it really. The league isn't what it used to be back in the days where you had big physical guys because the league isn't as physical as it used to be for reasons as Malice in the Palace and other reasons. They try to avoid these situations and keep the game really family-friendly and oriented. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it's bad for the game. It's definitely changed the game. I prefer to see the big man down low. That's what I grew up knowing and seeing. And to see the big man now shoot three, it's it's kind of odd. It it definitely changes the game because, for example, a person like Porzingis, who would have been great for the Knicks down low if he could have found a way to be a center, he would never have been that big guy center we needed. He would just been another shooting guy, you know, for it. And we didn't need that. And that's one of the issues that we ran into with on the Knicks, and that's why we ended up having to part ways with him because it just didn't fit what we were looking for because the Knicks – as you see now, we're looking for a big man who could play defense and who can grab rebounds and bang down low. That's what they're looking for, and he didn't fit that scheme. So it depends on how you look at it. It depends on how your team is set up. If your team is set up to shoot and you want to spread the court, then having a big man that can shoot, it, it 
it works for you, you know, and it's optimal. But if your team is a defensive team similar to the Knicks and you want to grab rebounds and play tough defense down low, you're going to want a big man who can, you know, take a beating. So it, it all depends on how you look at it and where you're coming from in an instance. Um, Sean, I'm going to come back to you now. Uh, I mean, Steph Curry, like we like we mentioned, he's one of the most memorable players in today's game, one of the most popular players. Um, is there a memory for you that um, either, you know, when you first kind of noticed Steph coming on the scene or when he's been in the midst of his dominance, is there something that kind of stands out to you as your, your favorite Steph Curry moment of all time? Um, well, Steph Curry is probably my least favorite player in the NBA. <laughs> I'm not a big Steph fan, so – Okay, my so favorite memory, for you too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my favorite memory involving Steph Curry is uh them blowing three one lead to the to the Cavs. <laughs> I would say that's that's gotta be my favorite memory involving Steph Curry because I'm not a big Steph Curry fan and I'm a big LeBron fan. So obviously, um I mean the probably the greatest comeback in NBA history, especially with the cast uh that he was going against a team that won seventy three games. So but if I had to bring up uh, a memory that I remember from Steph Curry, uh, just watching it live was uh, the buzzer beater against the Thunder. I think it was 2016. Um, yeah, that was, it, it was uh, like a half- happened on my, one of my birthdays. I know that. Yeah, it, it was a, like a half court shot because I remember I was watching the game live because obviously I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. That's when Russ and Katie were still on the Thunder, but that's probably one that that sticks out to me. I just remember being crushed by Steph Curry because he absolutely couldn't miss at the end of that game, and he ended up beating uh, Russ. Definitely not happy with that one, but. My my fondest memory is definitely him blowing that three one lead because I'm not not a huge Steph Curry fan, but I I can admit that obviously he has changed the game. He's the best shooter of all time, and um, he's definitely I definitely top fifteen player of all time. I think that he's he's very close to that top ten. So um, even though I'm not a big Steph Curry fan, I can admit that he has revolutionized the game and obviously the best shooter that has ever stepped foot on the court. Uh yeah, uh Zay, I'll go right to you with the same question. Do you kind of you have a favorite Steph Curry moment of all time, or are you you a hater just like Sean? <laughs> I'm not a hater. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge Steph Curry fan per se. I prefer Clay Thompson if I had to pick between the two. That's just me. Um, uh, nothing personal there. Uh, nothing against Curry. It's just my personal opinion. Excuse me. But um, if I had to say a good memory that that's very hard as a Nick fan knowing what he does in the garden so there's not many good memories NBA wise there <laughs> but I mean in college that 08 run he had with Davidson was really amazing and the fact that my Knicks just overlooked the fact that he took a team that no one really thought about and made them a, a, a talk people even started talking about Davidson I never even heard of Davidson until Curry went there so he had that run back in 08 and I think that was probably the most memorable thing, like I said, I'm not a Curry fan. I'm on Sean's side with this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll admit for the longest time, uh, back when they first started winning the championships, I, I did like Curry's game. I, I did like him as a player. I like Clay Thompson too. But when they got Durant on that team, I, I kind of just became an instant hater, just like you guys. I mean, it's hard. They, they had two arguably top five players on their team. Kevin Durant obviously switched up on Russell Westbrook. Uh, out of nowhere. I mean, it, it was just kind of like, wow, that's the route you're taking, Katie. You're going to join a team that previously won 73 games. Kind of soft, in my opinion. We're not talking about Kevin Durant here. We're talking about Steph Curry. If I had to choose a favorite moment, I'm sorry, CP. I do regard you as one of the greatest point guards of all time. But right when I think of Steph Curry, I think of him 
making Chris Paul touch the floor. People will say he stepped on his on his shoes and Chris Paul kind of went back. I just remember seeing Steph Curry making a nice little crossover move, Chris Paul hitting the ground, and Steph Curry draining a little nice mid-range shot. But uh, another one that comes to, to mind is is I think he, oh, Chris Paul was also guarding him. I could be wrong. But he kind of dribbled inside of the three-point line, dribbled back out, just turned around and hooked it up. And then um, Steve Curry, you could see him on the sideline, like, what are you doing? And then it went in, and he was just kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, there's nothing, like, you can't coach that. I mean, and that's that's so true. Um, what Steph Curry's done is completely uncoachable. He's he's truly changed the game. So shout out to him for breaking the NBA's all-time three-point uh, field goals made record tonight against the New York Knicks. Um, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. You remember all that? Were you like eight? Yeah, hey, uh, anyways. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. Uh, going to get into an ad here, and then we're going to get into a game. I'm sorry, that was just like 12. What do you mean it wasn't that long ago? <laughs> That was in like 2016. We were like, that was just like 12 years old, like a week ago. Cut it out. So, Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting. So, a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBD Realty is people over paychecks do the damn thing. And that's what we do. All right. Uh, CTBD Realty, they do some great work. So go check them out if you're ever in that uh, time of your life where you're looking to buy a house. Anyways, we're going to get into some games we're looking forward to coming up um, either this week or this weekend. Uh, Sean, I'm going to go to you first. What's the game you've got on your, uh, on your diet? Yeah, it's going to be tomorrow night on ESPN uh, at 10 o'clock. I'm going with the Clippers and the Jazz, um, two teams that have uh, two of the hotter teams in the NBA right now. Jazz are on a seven-game win streak, Clippers on a four-game win streak. And Clippers have been doing it without Paul George, their best player. Uh, he's out with an elbow injury, but other guys like – uh, Terrence Mann have stepped up. Brandon Boston, the rookie, had a great game the other night. Uh, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson. So uh, pretty impressive that, you know, the rest of the team um, has stepped up in Paul George's absence. And I want to see if they can continue it against a hot team in the Jazz, obviously, who have been playing great lately. Donovan Mitchell has been in a tear, um, scoring, I think, over 30 points per game in his last eight or ten games. He's been absolutely great. And obviously, Rudy Gobert down low has been awesome. So, uh a great matchup in the Western Conference. I think these two teams uh, definitely have a shot to make a deep run in the playoffs, and it's uh, a good early season matchup between uh, two really good teams in the Western Conference. So I'm looking forward to that one uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Zay, what do you got? <sighs> be honest, the NBA's got – they didn't leave a lot of meat on the bone until Christmas. They are, <laughs> it's really thin up there. But Thursday, 
The matchup between uh, Philly and the Nets is pretty interesting. Not so much the two teams. I could care less for the both of them, as you know. But I'm interested to see what's going on with these two point guards. Will Kyrie Irving play? Is he going to get vaccinated? He put up something earlier that showed him putting on sneakers. Is that a sign that he'll get vaccinated or that the Nets were leading to letting him play away games? Obviously, they're short on players with the COVID spike, so I don't even know if the game will happen, but it'll be interesting to see. And we obviously Ben Simmons, as we'll get into later, is on the move eventually. So will he be still in Philly? Will Philly be able to, you know, block out the noise and play a game against obviously a divisional matchup, a big matchup, obviously for two top teams in the East. So I think that'll be interesting to see how they manage. So like I said, not much meat on the bone though until Christmas. The NBA make us really salivate. Yeah, no, we got some uh Pretty great games coming up, you know. Pistons, Pacers, Knicks, Rockets, Heat, yeah, Magic, Knicks, Rockets. Uh, come We're on, also pumped <laughs> up for Knicks, Rockets, <laughs> Grizzlies, Kings. Come on, yeah. hey, look at that. Cavs, Cavs okay. Hawks. No, no, no. But in all seriousness, um, <laughs> contenders. <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm looking forward to actually tomorrow night, uh, 9 p.m. A team I don't actually watch a lot in the Wizards is going up against a team I do watch a lot in the Phoenix Suns. We've talked about the Suns to great lengths on this show. I mean, they've been fantastic, 21 and five. They're atop the Western Conference. Um, and then the Wizards, who are kind of a surprise, they're over 500. 15 and 13 right now. Uh, Bradley Beal's obviously averaging over 20 points a game like he always does. And they've got, like we've always mentioned in the past, the Lakers championship core running the running the, the um, bench unit and some starter roles as Kyle Kuzma has played a big role for them this year. So I'd like to see that. I, I mentioned I don't watch the Wizards a lot, so it'll be nice to see them. I always like these interconference matchups. I think they bring uh, the best out of both teams because, you know, you only see them once. You're welcoming uh, this game's in Phoenix, so the Suns are welcoming in the Wizards for the first time and only time this year. Uh, that is, of course, unless they meet in the finals. Anyways, um, not going to happen, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. I always like watching Bradley Beal play, even though I don't do it too much. So um, that is what I'm looking forward to. Uh, that's tomorrow night at 9. And then we're going to get right into our second topic right here. Another Western Conference team we're going to talk about, but instead of in first, they are in dead last, 15th place in the Western Conference, and their superstar has not yet to see the court this year. Zion Williamson has suffered yet another setback in his return to the court. Obviously, his weight's been an issue. They've, there's been pictures circulating everywhere of him looking overweight. Reports, I've even heard a pretty credible NBA reporter report him 70 pounds over what his listed weight is. Uh, don't know the truth behind that, but that would be horrific. It's, uh, it's not. Zay, I'll go to you first. Is this a real concern for the Pelican? No, it's not. It's Those pictures are not real. They've already shown a real Zion. He took a picture with somebody at the mall. He's in good shape. I'll send you the pictures later if you don't believe me. Zion's fine. That was not him in the sweatsuit. Relax, everyone. He's in good shape. As far as the setbacks, I think you have to be nervous if you're the Pelicans because, again, you took Zion with your number one overall pick, which I'm so thankful for because I didn't want them to come to the Knicks for this reason. <laughs> but, um, no, you have to always be worried about somebody that big, that size, who obviously he's a high-flying person. He's a very, I guess, aggressive player. When you, and where is it put it? And something like that. 
with back injuries, it's in knee injuries, and that he continues to have these things scare you. I, as a Nick fan, I know firsthand you don't want your star players with knee and back injuries. It never turns out well, and you're dumping a bunch of excuse me a bunch of money into a person who's supposed to be your premier player, and he's not playing. It's if I'm the Pelicans, I'd be nervous because what do you do now if he doesn't play the rest of this year? You've had him now what four years now, and he hasn't really played going into a fifth year. Do you pick up an? I mean, what do you do at that point? Is he worth anything? Can you trade him? Can you get anything? I mean, you're talking about a first round talent who didn't pan out, who probably won't pan out. I'm sorry, injuries are real in the NBA. I know firsthand again as a Knicks fan, injuries are real and they suck. Yeah. I, for sure. I, I agree with you, Zay. I think that the injuries are certainly a concern, not so much the weight. Like you said, I think he's in good shape. I'll send you the pictures. He's in good shape. That was, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was the internet being the internet. It's good shape. Hey, you know, Jace, it's a different kind of game today. You can't really be that big and be a good physical player. And Zion is such a different player from Shaq. Zion relies on his like explosiveness and driving to the rack. Shaq kind of just chilled down low in the post. So Well, Shaq in his early days ran the court up and down. He used to get up and down that court, boy. He was a player. Don't, don't yeah, on the, on the magic. Yeah, on the magic. That's what I'm saying. That's still he, he ran up and down the court. These are supposed to be Zion's early days. These are supposed to be his early Shaq days. This is what people expected when he came into the league, how he was supposed to dominate. He just hasn't done it. But Shaq's Shaq's height relative to his weight was like kind of made sense. Zion's like six six and he's yes, pushing three hundred pounds. That's not he's a freak not the best look. He, he's a freak though. So Sean, that leads me to you. I'm going to ask if this is something that actually derails and becomes a serious, like, chronic problem. Uh, what do the Pelicans do? Does he still carry, like, enough weight with his name? Uh, weight, funny enough, I use that <laughs> word. Um, does he still carry, like, that, that, that Zion factor that he can make a good trade piece still and they can get something back? Or do you think we're not – we're obviously not there yet. But do you think that's something that they could look into in the future? Uh, I see what you did there, Lucas, with uh, carrying enough <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think he still has value. I mean, obviously, when he's on the court, he's a beast. I mean, he's he's a beast on the boards. Uh, he gets to the rack with no problem at all. I don't think anyone wants to step in front of him when he's driving to the rack. Um, if he can get a shot at some point, that makes him just even that much more lethal. It's kind of similar to Giannis, but he's such a beast around the rim. Uh, he really can't be stopped. He's so explosive. Uh, even though he is a little bit, might be a little bit overweight, he's still pretty quick for his size. So he, he's a big offensive threat. Um, obviously, I think he'll get better with defense over time too. So I think he still holds a lot of value. It's just, you know, can he stay in the court? Um, obviously, these injuries have been a factor. Um, so if he can stay in the court, I think he definitely holds a lot of value, um, especially for a Pelican team that I think they should try and look to trade him, especially if he's going to continue to be hurt. I think they need to start to rebuild again. Um, obviously, after Anthony Davis left, Drew Holiday left, they really haven't have anything to show for it. They've been struggling, so um, maybe look to push him or Brandon Ingram out of there. But I, I think he does hold a lot of value. He's still super young, so if he can get uh, a good weight regimen, a uh, good training regimen, I think that if he can stay underweight, that uh, he, can definitely, he can definitely still be – a factor in this league. So I think he still does have trade value. Jeez, who's writing these comments? Come on now. Um, <laughs> can, we, so you know, the, uh, can we stop with this wage thing? 
Oh my gosh. Oh. He's a big boy, Zay. I don't I don't care what you say. Yes, he's a he big is. boy. I know, but all right. But and I don't think I, that picture of him in the jumpsuit was fake. That's in the sweatsuit. It was I didn't say it was fake. They they said it was someone else. I'm telling you, they had that next real picture under it. I'll I'll send it to you guys later. I'm uh, not, that looked like Zion to me. I'll send it to you later and you'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll 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 wait for that, right? I don't think it'll ever come. Anyways, uh, yeah, we're gonna investigator, get investigator Zay on the on the case. <laughs> no investigator, there's a friendly thing called Twitter. Yeah, see if Julius Randall was pushing three hundred, you'd be livid. Julius Randall. Uh, I think Zay's already pissed enough at uh, Julius Randall. <laughs> Might as well be three hundred pounds. Anyways, you're gonna find him on the court if he was three hundred pounds. <laughs> Have you seen him? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, geez. Uh, we're going to get into another ad, and we're going to come back and talk about someone who may be on the move soon and some teams that might be interested in him. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield tailored treatment system. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for the season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito free sorry i was just watching the uh, record breaking three there while we were on ad break pretty cool stuff um so we are going to talk about someone who's not pretty cool and that is mr ben simmons talked about him a bunch but stuff's starting to heat up again uh some team names coming out kings timberwolves knicks lakers trailblazers pacers and cavaliers are all reportedly interested in acquiring ben simmons uh, Zay, I'll go to you first. Uh, before I ask which team you think he'd fit best with on this list is how's how would he fit in on uh, the New York Knicks? Obviously, the point guard they brought in this offseason is not even playing. So. I'm going to be honest. He's a great fit for the scheme. The issue with him is he's not a scorer. While the Knicks do need defense at point guard, they need someone who's also going to be able to go down and score at the other end. And he just doesn't bring that. While the Knicks have a, you know, a scoring around them, they don't have a premier score. If the Knicks were to bring in a point guard, you would probably want to lean more to a scoring point guard who also plays defense, like I mentioned before, with Murray down in San Antonio, something like that. You bring, you go and bring a guy in like that, as opposed to a Ben Simmons, unless you're a team who has a ton of scoring already, and you just need a defensive point guard. In that case. He could fit the Lakers. I wouldn't put him on the Pacers. Obviously, they're trying to blow that up. That wouldn't make sense to put him in that situation to blow that up. Damian Lillard, obviously, it could fit there. But then again, like I said, if it doesn't work out, to me, that, again, it's an expensive situation. And the Cavaliers, uh, the Cavaliers, I just wouldn't. I mean, if you send someone to the Cavaliers, you know what you're sending them. You're sending them basically 
to end their careers. Because if LeBron doesn't come back, I don't think the Cavaliers will ever, I'm sorry, make the finals or the playoffs again. They Again, they weren't a relevant team before LeBron. After he left, they weren't relevant. And he's not there and they're not relevant again. It's just how it is for the Cavaliers. So if you send they're, me, the, they're the four seed in the East right now, Zay. It's early. It's early. Better than your Knicks. It's early. Again, my Knicks were terrible to start the year last year, and then they made a trade for Derrick Rose, and they went on a run, and that's how they got the four seed. So it's still early. The Hawks, again, were terrible early last year. They went on a huge run at the end of the year, and that's how they got it. It's early. Again, this is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm not worried about it. It's not even Christmas yet. <laughs> That Christmas mark does kind of uh, set the tone for the rest of the year. Uh, Sean, out of these teams below us listed, where do you see uh, making the best fit for Simmons? Uh, I think three of these teams would be intriguing. Um, the team we just talked about, the Cavs, I think that they're great defensively with guys like Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And uh, Colin Sexton's going to be out for the rest of the year. But if you pair him with Darius Garland, who's having a great year, I think this is a team that I don't think they can make a run in the playoffs, but I definitely think they can make the playoffs and make an interesting series in the first round. Um, it's a really young team that's on the rise. So if you add Ben Simmons to that mix, um, that's already a great defensive team. I think that uh, they could be even better. So a great defensive team that has some play- young players on the rise. I think the Cavs would be interesting. Uh, we talked about the Blazers last episode. I think him and Dame would be a pretty good fit. I think you know Ben could be the facilitator. Dame could step into more of that shooting guard role, which I think would fit him kind of more. Um, I, I don't think he's a great facilitator. I think he's a better scorer, obviously. So I think that would be a good fit, and they need help on defense. And the third team is – I think the Timberwolves would be interesting. Um, I think that you would have to give up D'Angelo Russell because I think Cat and Anthony Edwards would be untouchable. But if you add him to that team that struggles defensively, um, he would help out there. He can set up shots for guys like Cat, who is a good uh, shooter for a big man, and then obviously Anthony Edwards, who is super explosive. So I think those three teams make a lot of sense. Um, Timberwolves are also a young team that I think uh, could be on the rise if they get a guy like Ben Simmons. So those are the three teams I would keep an eye on, and I think he would be a, a good fit for all of them. Can I say one thing? Can I say yeah, something sure. before we go to – I realize when you trade for Ben Simmons, you have to give up also. So some yep. of these guys that you're mentioning yep. could possibly be on the other side of that trade. And that's another thing I think about for my Knicks. To get a Ben Simmons, it's going to require maybe a quickly a Toppin or an R.J. Barrett. Are you going to want to touch your core, your young core, to go out and get somebody who you know isn't going to bring you the full situation? And then when things don't go his way, he shuts down and acts like a little kid. That's, that's, yeah. I think, the, I think the Cavs would probably have a problem with that. But for the Timberwolves, I mean, I don't think you could trade Cat or Anthony Edwards. I think, you, I mean, D'Angelo Russell could go. Malik Beasley could go. So I think they would be fine with that. And then um, let's see, the Blazers, I think C.J. McCollum and, you know, maybe another young player like Anthony Simons maybe would make sense. But I think the Cavs would be the only team that would run into trouble with that because you'd probably have to give up maybe a Sexton or – I don't think Evan Mobley would – I think he would be untouchable, but a guy like maybe Jared Allen. So, But I think the other two teams would be would be uh, pretty set with that. Again, are you willing to give up scoring for a guy who doesn't score? And, uh, yeah. Sean, I'm, I'm going to ask you this too. Which team can give the Sixers the best package back? Sounds like uh-huh. to me – I'll give my opinion. Sounds like the Timberwolves. I'd take Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell on a pick. 
Yeah, yeah Timberwolves would definitely be good because, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, he's bounced around, but if he could find a spot like uh, Philadelphia, I think he could definitely help them out. Malik Beasley is a good score you can get off the bench, and Timberwolves, I feel like, always have a lot of picks. So Timberwolves would be good. Um, I think you probably get something good back from the Kings if if you were to trade that. They have a lot of good young players. It's just they could never figure it out. I think Dar- De'Aaron Fox would probably be the only untouchable but, I mean, they they got good players like Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you can get a shooter like Buddy Heald, um, Harrison Barnes, who's been having a good year. So, there's definitely some value you can get from them. Um, so, I, yeah, Kings, Timberwolves. I think the Blazers are good. I, th- I think C.J. McCollum could help out the Sixers. I think he would probably be the uh, the biggest target for the Sixers if they were to trade Ben Simmons to Portland. So, you could get some good value. I, I think those three teams would probably make the most sense in terms of getting good value back for Simmons. Disrespectful. And uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to give it up. The next two, the next two. I don't, don't want to give it up. I, honestly, it would it would cost too much. It would cost it would cost Grimes. It would cost Mitchell Robinson. It would probably cost you an R.J. Barrett. It would or quickly. It would in, in a first round pick, and I think that's way too much for Ben Simmons. So yeah, I don't want. I wouldn't want to give up on quickly or Toppin or Grimes. What's happening? I don't want to give up on any young guys. Give it to Randall. I got no problem with that. You can get rid of his ass. You can ship him down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. I don't care where he goes. I just want the players coming in on our team, building chemistry with our guys. Because, I mean, we're struggling. We're, we're not where we want to be right now. We're not where we would be if Simmons was playing. So get get him out. Get the new guys in. Get them integrated into our system and and just let the rest happen. I think this Sixers team with the right pieces, like a D'Angelo Russell and a Malik Beasley, that would be fantastic uh, because our role players really have been playing well. Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey especially. I mean, they're both having career years. So you, you get those guys, you mix them, you mix them in with, with a former all-star in D'Angelo Russell and an up-and-coming star in Malik Beasley. You get Ben Simmons' baby ass out of town and just – just do your thing. I mean, come on. I'm sick and tired of hearing that he might go here. He might go here. Just get rid of him. I mean, Daryl Morey loves Twitter. I might take to Twitter after the show and just tweet at him and be like, get this bum out of town. Oh, just, I just, just DM him every day until he, he's uh, left without any choice to do it. <laughs> no, Joe, we need to make a montage of him praising Ben Simmons all the times before this summer. All hey, before, before that should. playoff. We, we need to make a montage of all the times he <laughs> praised Ben Simmons and how how much Ben's a great player. Don't I don't doubt his ability for a, for a second. But the fact that he's not helping us now and he's just sitting at home collect those. He's not collecting a paycheck anymore. But, but just sitting at home being a baby instead of helping us out. I mean, the kid's not playing basketball. That's gonna make it harder for us to trade him. So I don't know if he. Oh, he's playing basketball. He's just not playing for you guys. Well, of course, but <laughs> NBA basketball and pick up at the Y is two different things. He's uh, he's lighting up the LA fitnesses. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, the, 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 we've seen the videos, Zay. He can knock down the three pointers in those games. Mommy Mellow, Hoodie Mellow. <laughs> <laughs> LA Fitness Ben. All right. Um, that's enough Ben Simmons talk for me today. Um, I believe that's going to wrap our show up as well. Uh, thanks for joining us, you guys. We always love uh, bringing you guys some good content. Uh, check us out next Tuesday, normal time, 5 o'clock. Uh, for Sean Scanlon, Kings A, and Lucas Bolduck, this has been the Posting Up Podcast. Peace.
of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Stinky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.